Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene Steinkamp. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Fight for Your Marriage podcast. And today we are going to be specifically talking to men, but ladies, we don't want you to turn the podcast off. We want you to listen in and um, be part of this discussion, because I think that even though you're not a man who's standing for marriage restoration, I think you're going to get a lot out of it. And with us today, we have Jim, who's one of our board members at the ministry, and we've known Jim for many, many years. He, uh, he has been around a while and he's part of the family. And so we um, are thankful that Jim is with us. Jim, tell us um, a little bit about your story and your stand, just so people can get to know a little bit about where you're at. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, my story is probably fairly typical for men who are listening and, and, and even the women probably who are listening. Um, I was born and raised into a Catholic household and didn't really have a, a significant connection to relationship over religion. Um, and s- some of our listeners might understand that. Um, I really didn't have a connection to uh, a relationship directly with Jesus. You know, I, I was always very focused on the relig- religious aspect of my faith. Um, and I, in regard to like our first question in this whole question session is, did you feel like a spiritual leader? And no, I I definitely was not. I didn't even understand what that meant. And so coming into marriage, um, I was not chased. Our, our, my wife and I had a child out of wedlock. Our daughter was a year and three months before we were married. Um, So the enemy had a strong foothold in our relationship right from the start. Um, and that really kind of continued through the process of our marriage. I, I tend, tended to put my wife up on a pedestal, um, especially when it came to our sexual relationship, you know, that was very important to me. And, um, and I think that our relationship definitely suffered because of that. She saw herself more as a, as an object potentially in our marriage, um, but a very highly successful woman. She had a, a phenomenal career. Um, we both were very hard workers and didn't really focus too much on our relationship. We had another child years later. Uh, so we have two grown children. Um, but my wife left after 22 years of marriage and then uh, divorced me two years later um, at 24 years, um, which it's coming up on, I know we don't like to talk about dates and numbers, but tomorrow will be 10 years, uh, marks the 10 year anniversary of her leaving. Um, and so s- right from the start, as a matter of fact, February, again, will mark 10 years of my connection with Rejoice Marriage Ministries, because uh, I was seeking to find loopholes in scripture for if my wife was going to leave me, she you know, was a scholar of the word in my view. So she knew something that I different that I didn't, and so I went right to the word to find these loopholes. And what I found was shocking to me because there is no loophole, um, there is no um, you know card to get out of out of a marriage covenant. And uh, so the education came very quickly. I I very quickly surrendered my life to Christ because I thought you know I had done all the right things that I thought I could do in marriage. 
Um, but the one piece was I did not introduce my relationship with Jesus really into my life and into my marriage. And therefore our kids also, um, because I was leading, I mean, we lead as men, it's just, where are we leading them? You know? And so I led my kid, our, our children and my wife into the world deeper and deeper and deeper. We were financially successful, um, had really risen above our, our, you know, cultural levels as, uh, both my wife and I grew up in relatively modest households um, and we had gone way beyond that. So that's what, that was what I was thinking. Um, very different when I found out what the true kingdom was. Right. You know, and so, so by the world's measure of success, you were doing great. Right. Right. Yeah. You really, yeah. really were, you know, and I think there's a lot of households that look good on the outside of the door, but you open the crack of that door and you find something completely different. And unfortunately that's, you know, that's the way culture is right now. And, um, and I just think that, uh, you know, as men stepping up to be a spiritual leader is very different than being a egotistical leader, you know, it's not the same at all. And so my education, I, I'm a firm believer that, you know, all things work together for the good of those who love him for his purpose and his plan. And, the stand in my life is for an absolute purpose. There's no doubt. I wouldn't change a thing. I don't like the price. I, I talk about that a lot, but I would not change a thing because my relationship with Jesus is, is paramount. Um, as a matter of fact, just before we get on this call, I called my mother-in-law hmm. just to say hello because we lost my father-in-law recently and I hadn't really touched base with her. And she reminded me, she said, you know, you got to keep your eyes focused on Christ alone. And it's like, wow, so hearing it from her, it's like super powerful because we, we want to, you know, I think as men, we're, our heart is longing for our wives to be home and back with us. But, but when we do that, we, you know, are we really thinking about Christ in that, you know what I mean? And that's a tough balance, you know, it goes, and that's spiritual headship, you know, even though we're separated from our, our spouses, spiritual yeah. headship is really more important to me now than ever, you know? Right. And I love what you said that um, we have to open the door when there's a crack, because there may be people listening to this that are together in a home and married, mm. and they're just starting to see, you know, maybe I'm not being, the men might think I'm not being the leader I should be. I'm not leading my wife the way I should be. I'm not the Christian I should be. Or maybe the wives are listening to this and in the same situation thinking, you know, there's a there's a caution sign coming that, that we have to do something to fix this. And so I know um, that this is going to be a great conversation. I know, Jim, um, you would not have picked up this journey that you've been on, you know, if given a, a choice of journeys, I'm sure you would have skipped over this one. But it's such a blessing to hear how you can already see that God has used so much of the past 10 years to um, redeem and restore things in your life. And mm. then later we'll talk about your kids and how, you know, just the direction that they're going and, and what God's done in their lives. And so I, I think this will be a great um, conversation for us to have today. Yeah. Well, and I think this is, we have to continue to say so often that God created marriage. Right. And then he said in Genesis two, mm. Uh, that the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work in it and take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But the Lord said, it's not good in verse 18, chapter two, 
the Lord said, it's not good for the man to be alone and I will make a helper suitable for him. So God created the woman to be your wife and to have it to be good. And the enemy then came in and tried to tempt uh, Eve, as you know, and the devil never has stopped tempting us for the rest of our lives. He, but God is greater in all temptations. Right. And if we know the word and if we understand to live a holiness life, Christ-like life, or live, um, the world has been compromised. We've compromised in, in many of our values. Well, what we did is we reached out to um, our audience and we asked the men a few questions. And so we've had some men that have responded. And what we asked was um, the first question, which Jim, you alluded to was, do you feel like you were the spiritual leader you should have been when your spouse left? And so this question was posed to men. And um, I want to share some of the answers. And then we have a couple people who um, called in and recorded some um, messages about this. And we're going to share with you what they had to say. The first one is I'd like to talk about the spiritual leader I should have been when I left. Do I feel like I was the spiritual leader uh, that I should have been when I left? And the answer is no. I was looking at some things that I shouldn't have been on the Internet. And uh, to be honest, and uh, uh, she she left. Um, so that that really that really hurt me and everything. Um, and then uh, I would like to talk about how how I've stayed involved at church or in a small group of other believers uh, since my separation or divorce. So I've been divorced since October seventeenth uh, of this year. Um, my wife left me on May ninth. Shortly, shortly, well, on Mother's Day, um, I had went to church that day. Um, she she had been unhappy with the church um, uh, for for probably about a month. Um, she got offended at something my pastor said, and offendedness can really cause issues uh, in, in our church. But I was serving on the Sunday, I was serving in Sunday school, and I am still uh, serving on the Sunday school. My mom is the Sunday school director or the children's ministry director. And uh, my, so I am still, I am a Sunday school teacher. I teach third through sixth grade uh, group. And uh, we're a small church, probably about 80 to 100 people. Um, and then I've kind of started, I still attend the men's, men's prayer breakfast. I still go to the prayer service, which is on Wednesday night, even though I live 30 minutes away uh, from church, 30 30 to 45 minutes away uh, from the church that I, I attend, um, which which I've done it my whole life. I've, I've driven that far for church, 30 to 45 minutes. So I, I am still a part of other believers. I'm still praying. So anyways, that's, that's my story. Um, hopefully this helps you, and uh, God bless you. When my wife left me, um, you know, and all that stuff started, which was almost eight years ago now. Um, I probably, I chose to go towards God and my spiritual journey has been just incredible, uh, through that. Um, but I would say, you know, did, did my pride get hurt? Sure. It did. You know, did I feel less of a, a man? Yes. Could I have been more of a spiritual leader? Yes. 
But even through that, you know, because I thought I prayed for restoration. But even through that, um, God took me through so many different journeys that, you know, now I'm fully engaged in my church. I'm, I'm going from glory to glory. I'm praying for my children's salvation who were teenagers when this took place and now are young adults. Um, but, um, you know, I don't know if I, it's, it's hard right now to continue to pray for the restoration. Although I have prayed and, uh, and asked her to come to church, which she did for Christmas, um, having the Lord in my life and, 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 um, having him there, I have not dated. I have not done any of those things over those last eight years, which it doesn't seem that long, but I know it is. Uh, but I just wanted to share my testimony that, you know, obviously it's what God has for me, you know, what God has for me. And, you know, I continue to um, begin of the year. I, I pray and fast and I believe for the restoration of uh, many marriages, which I've had many believers have their marriages be restored all around me. But I've learned so much through this that I have sent your sight to some people and I want to teach them that the hate, is wrong and that you have to love people just like God loves them and that God created them in his image and um, to relinquish that for the health of your children, for the health of the next relationship, for the health if you do get restored. Uh, but I just wanted to say God bless everyone. Continue to pray and fast for breakthrough, uh, for unity, um, and just for peace. Uh, that we can see God move in these situations because uh, through the pandemic, which I couldn't believe I'm saying that now, um, you know, many relationships are under attack and I saw that coming in my circle and I was now the senior or the, the guy who was telling people what, what not to do because of all the mistakes I made. Hopefully this helps someone and I just pray and, and hope that everyone can continue to seek the Lord for his guidance, his wisdom and stay in the word. My circumstance is uh, was married 35 years and uh, got home from work one day and I thought things were rocking along okay and my wife wasn't home and I had a knock at the door and was served divorce papers and have been devastated um, and we were divorced in October of last year. Um, and so my wife is an ordained minister. Um, we met at church, have always been active in church, and I and just was too comfortable, I think. Um, just didn't work at my marriage the way I should have and didn't work at my spiritual um, walk the way I should have. So the good thing through all this has been a recognition of the need to be in right relationship with Jesus Christ. And I continue to stand for my marriage. I've never uh, loved another woman. I deeply desire that God will move in her heart to provide opportunity toward reconciliation. Um, at this point, she's, of course, she's divorced me, and we, we are still very 
comfortable. We spend some time together because of our adult sons and um, and our relationship is comfortable. Um, I truly don't see how divorce was the right answer. Um, I never ever would have thought that could could happen, but I obviously didn't know what was going on inside my life and did not um, seek her and honor her the way I should have. So I continue to pray that God will change her heart and continue to to stand in hopes that uh, that will be his leading in her life. But if not, I want to continue standing firm and living uh, living my life as God um, calls me to do. Thank you for the opportunity to share. By and large, most of the men that answered this said, I wasn't the spiritual leader I should have been. And I, where do you think the fault lies with that, Jim? I, obviously we have to take credit in our own lives when we're failing to do what we should do. But I wonder if, um, what the bring up was like, what, how were these men brought up? Were they brought up in the church? Did they understand? Is the church speaking enough to the fact that men need to step up and be the spiritual leaders in the home? Um, what do you, what do you think about that question that we asked? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. I know I can speak for myself is I definitely didn't, I wasn't raised in a home where my father was a spiritual leader. I think my mom moreover was the one that wanted to continue to make sure we were at church every Sunday. Um, but I also believe that um, ju- just like in the garden, when Eve was tempted and no offense to, to women, but the, the scriptures talk about how Eve was the weaker vessel. And I think it's important for us men to understand where the enemy really attacked the family. He attacked God's perfect creation in the garden through Eve. Although scripture also says when she ate of the fruit, she also gave to her husband who was with her. That's part of the challenge in spiritual headship. Adam was right there. He knew what God said. He conveyed that message to Eve. And he didn't say, whoa, wait, what are you doing? He didn't do that. And when God came back into the garden, Adam pointed the finger at Eve and said, it was the woman that you gave me. I think part of spiritual headship in today's culture, and I did this, um, is I want to point the finger at my wife and say, things are messed up because you don't let me lead. Whereas leadership is a humbling thing. It's just like scriptures say uh wives submit to your husbands it says as unto the lord amen that's the key what you just said is we often want to blame somebody of course and that blame is not from the lord it is from our flesh that's right so think about how biblical this all is really It's the enemy still creeping around inside marriage. He has not had to leave marriage. God's perfect creation. That's where his focus is. Mm -hmm. Because if he can blow apart a husband and wife, he can take out the next generation and the generations to follow. It's, It's easier. And so the garden is still the example of us as Adam with our Eve. 
and spiritual headship is really the beginning of it. When we start to understand spiritual leadership, it, it changes everything because it starts with me. It doesn't start with me, uh, you know, conveying a message through my words to my wife or my children. It's, am I going to the Lord on a regular routine, everyday basis, not just in prayer, but deep into the word to understand the character of God and what he designed with between him and myself, Adam and him. It's like that relationship is so critical. First and foremost, Eve came after Mm -hmm. she didn't come before. And so I think that's where spiritual headship really is, is wane. It was waning for me. I knew that's where my, my problems really lie. It took me three years of standing before I truly understood that, you know, but. Well, that's also, it's a hard thing to admit. We talked about this on the last podcast also where, um, where in your relationship, you had a lot of lists of things where you could say, Bob was doing this wrong and this wrong and right. this wrong. Right. But you always have to look at yourself because that's the person you could be responsible for, that's you know, that that's the, that's the only one you can have control over is your choices, your actions, your behavior. Mm-hmm. And this um, is standing feels like the like training camp, you know, football players go to training camp and and they've got to get ready for what's to come. You know, people in the military, analogy. they go to boot camp, they're preparing for what's ahead. And right now, even if you're in a state of standing like Jim is where you, you don't have a spouse at home right now, mm-hmm. you can say that this is the time that I'm going to get right with the Lord, that mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure that I'm in training to be the best spiritual leader I can be. And then when restoration happens, you're ready. And you're not mm-hmm. at that point trying to figure out how to, to be a follower of Christ the way you should have been. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I notice and I read and we've received uh, this week and last week with the men writing us is that many of the men are doing what I am just praising the Lord is that they have gone to their church, mm-hmm. met with their pastor, told them what they're doing. And we pray for the pastor to agree with them and stand in the gap since they made the wedding vows. They said till death do us part. And for better, for worse, well, this is probably the worst part right now. But but the other part is, is that the men, so many have commented, they're gone to church and they're serving the Lord right. in many different avenues and ways. And I cannot encourage any of them, of you men that have not gone to the church and started serving the Lord in whatever your gifts and capacity is. That is such a blessing. You're going to bless the church and you bless others. And then you can get fellowship with maybe one or two men or even a group of men. Right. Well, let's jump. Since you jumped to that question, let's go to that question and talk about um, what it said. So what tell, share with them what we asked the men. How have you stayed involved at a church or in a small group of other believers since your separation or divorce? And that was one of the questions we asked because we know how um, the enemy wants to use isolation. Men, women, it doesn't matter who it is that's alone suddenly, but a lot of times it's hard to go back into church, to go back into a small group, to find a new small group. Maybe you were in a small group of married couples and now you don't fit in that group right now in this season, but to get somewhere. And we see constantly how the enemy uses isolation to just really convince 
a person that you don't need to be in a church building. You don't need to be with a group of other believers. And how, how has that played out in your life, Jim? Yeah. So that, that's a very, that's a great question. And and as a matter of fact, to be completely transparent, I've been struggling with this because when COVID hit our church closed, I mean, I know a lot of churches closed Um, and that's the enemy's perfect plan, you know, to have that isolation just kick right in. Um, but right after my wife left, I dove into church and I started attending, you know, as many services as I possibly could. And then I got heavily involved in youth ministry programs. Um, I always have had a heart for the youth. And then I started doing biblical counseling. I took course courses to become a biblical counselor. Um, and that's really because I'm a single you know, man is in the eyes of my church. That's my focus was men for biblical counseling because a lot of men um, really don't have a mentor. They don't, you know, they don't, a lot of men don't reach out to find somebody inside the church environment to talk to. Um, And when you lay scriptures as a lens for all of your conversation, it changes the conversation. And so it's been a blessing to me to be that heavily involved in my, in my church environment, um, in those two ministries specifically. Recently, because of COVID <clears throat> and the church closing, my pastor and I never really saw eye to eye on standing um, and subsequent conversations, um, you know, it led me to start seeking another church after 10 years. Um, and that's been very recent after reopening. So I'm in the process of doing that. Um, but I'm still very actively involved in men's ministry. Um, they've, you know, they used to send me men on a regular basis and I used to meet at church and then it went virtual for a while there. And then word of mouth from these men that I was dealing with have other men approaching me for biblical counseling. It's not even, it's, it's gone beyond, right. It's gone beyond the church and it's now just God filtering, you know, through these men that I've been involved with biblically. Um, And so that's, that has replaced my isolation completely. I I have a, it feels like a full-time ministry with, with men, you know, who are experiencing the loss of, their spouse or, you know, going through separation and divorce. Um, and not all are, you know, not all understand the word, not all, you know, I didn't know the word until I was, you know, my 10 day locked in experience in the hotel that we've talked about in the past, you know, and I, that's when I really started diving in, but yeah, I would definitely ask these men who are dealing with this, this situation is brand new. I mean, this isolation thing that we go through as men when our wives leave is, is so it breaks your heart so badly that we start to, the enemy wants us to focus on us when really what Christ wants is for us to focus on others and have compassion. It's really, this is a very difficult word to hear when you're going through the challenge of marital separation is to have compassion for other people. Right. But if you can understand who Christ was for you in your own life, and he's completely compassionate, that's all he had. By the way, that's my, I choose a word every year. And that's my word for this year is compassion. Um, So yeah, it's, it's critically important to be involved in a church environment. Absolutely. Yeah. What, what you're explaining is says in Hebrews 10, 
verse 25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Mm. I mean, what you're doing is so important and it's, we need each other. We need each other. (laughs) Well, let me share some of the answers that we got to this question. Yeah. One person said, I've participated in men's groups in my church and even gone through Celebrate Recovery, which is a great program. Some have been helpful and some not so much. And so that person was trying to find the right group for them. Um, Another man said, I've really gotten plugged into my church. I help with the kids ministry and I go to prayer groups on Monday nights. My pastor has been my lifeline, and I thank God for sending me such a strong man of God and a prayer partner. He helps me to stay positive when my circumstances seem impossible. I struggle with doubt since my wife remarried. So that's a great uh, a man that's in a great position right there that's got a great prayer partner. Um, another one said, I've stayed involved weekly in praise and worship band at church. And on Tuesday nights, I started a Bible study group for men only. And we've been helping other men learn how to follow Christ and walking alongside others in the community the best we know how to. When God called me to stand, I knew that I needed to be willing to be used in any way, shape, or form, Mm -hmm. and to make it my mission to teach our children daily to stand in the armor of God and to walk in the spirit. Amen. That's that's awesome. I mean, that's giving the devil a black eye in the middle of... uh, That's right. Right? Um, another one said church is hard. I've been reluctant to try a small group because at my church, they're all Mm co-ed and I don't want to meet a female. Plus I feel like an oddball and I can totally understand that position. Right. As well. Um, I was an oddball. Yeah. Yeah, I think as standards. I was an oddball when I went in said, I'm praying for Bob to come back home. The church thought I'd lost my mind. And you know, if you're in a church where like this man who doesn't really have a a group that's just men, Mm. go to your pastor, go to the person that's in charge of groups at your church and, and suggest, you know, have you ever thought about just having a men's group or have you ever, and maybe you feel like you're not equipped to lead it or God's not called you to lead it, but you can come alongside the person that maybe needs a helper in there. Um, if they have someone that can lead it and you can just say, I'll be your encourager, your prayer partner, I'll take the attendance, whatever. But if you can just suggest it, you know, you could be doing something that other men need in the church by suggesting that and instead of just sitting back, this is what I get fearful of is we sit back and say, well, my church doesn't have X, Y, and Z. So that I'm just going to cross my arms and and not move forward. And we have to be willing. I know when you were divorced, right? I was divorced and I um, went to the pastor and told him what God told me to do. And I said, I, um, I have two other women that I know are in your church. They're going through divorce. And I want to start a Sunday school class and we meet on Sunday with and, and start it for praying for marriage restoration. And he goes, well, I don't know if we should mention the title of it, but he said, how about if you come over to my office and you can meet in my office while I'm going around every wells. So we met in his office and we started with two and ended up with five or six. It was the underground class. <laughs> lest, lest anyone know that you are standing for your marriage to be restored. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We've come a long way. <laughs> That's true. That is so true. It. So I'm 
just to give you a little background on the church size that I was in, am involved with, it's about it's anywhere between ten and fifteen thousand people. So it's a fairly sizable body. Um, however, and I want to encourage men who are going through standing for their marriage. Um, your past, our pastor, my I can speak for myself. Our lead pastor of that large of a church did not have a clue when it came to standing for your marriage. When I came to him and, you know, was still wearing my wedding band and he knew I was divorced. And as a matter of fact, it wasn't him that approached me. It was his children that approached me and said, why do you still wear your wedding ring if you're divorced? And so that led him to approach me and go, hey, let's have lunch. And so we did. And he had a, an education about standing for your marriage. And it was biblical. I, we went right through Matthew um, and, and understand something. Our church marries divorced people. And so I struggled to even be a part of that body, knowing that our, our upper you know, staff pastors were marrying divorced people. And so we, at that lunch, it was interesting. And this was years ago. Um, he said, we just need to, we'll continue this conversation after like two and a half hours. We'll continue this conversation. But for now, we just need to agree that we disagree. And that started the whole thing for me of going, listen, Jim, I have to remember, Jim, God is sovereign. He works in all areas. And just because my church is that large, he, he had never called me to step away from that church until recently. Um, and he is sovereign. He works in, in incredible ways in that body. However, you as a stander could give a pastor an education about standing that they may have no clue about. I knew more about the fundamentals of the word when with regard to separation, divorce, and remarriage than he did right. as a theologian. And, and, and it was wonderful, you know, cause it really made him think about, okay, if Jesus was sitting right here next to us saying these words, would we try to add to it or take away from it? No, we would be on the edge of our seats going on every word, understanding that he meant what he said. In right. And that's, that's such an encouragement to not just think, well, my pastor doesn't agree with me. I'm out of here. You know, yeah. you served in that church and were an example of faithfulness for all of these years until just now when the Lord said it's time to move on, mm -hmm. but don't just find a church. I know people want to have a church like this one man that, that I read a few minutes ago has such a supportive church body and pastor. Mm -hmm. And if God puts you in that position, that's great. But God may have you in the position to be an example and to be the, the person who says, hey, maybe if we have a divorce care class, we could also offer a restoration class or we can mm. offer the alternative. So don't just run if, if your church is not um, believing yet, because I'm, I'm sure that you have given your pastor so many things to think about through the years um, that through what you shared on how God has spoken to you through the word about marriage. Yeah, there's no doubt. So his father-in-law was my mentor. And when his father-in-law was in hospice on his final days, he had come over to me, this, the head pastor came over to me in hospice when I visited and said, my father-in-law said that I need to spend more time with you. <laughs> and I was like, huh, I wonder why that is, you know, and it's like, uh, listen, I, I just think as standards, we can do it 
a couple of different ways. We can be very boisterous about our stand and, and beat people over the head with scripture, or we can just quietly understand the calling on our lives. Cause I think standing is a calling. Amen. You have been plucked from society and so in cultural norms to stand for your marriage. And it's not just about your wife and right. your family. It's about God's plan for marriage. Amen. And Jesus is a huge part of that without the, the church and Christ, you know, that correlation, we miss that. And that should be at the forefront, you know, Christ and his church, we're the groom and the, you know, Christ is the groom and we're the bride. Yep. And that's the basis of our stand. It really should be. I mean, I, that's a total preaching all by itself, right? You know, you can yeah. really go into that, but yeah, I think, I think we, like you said, Lori, I believe that people are watching. Yeah. And pastors are watching. It's not normal. This right. is abnormal. Like Charlene just said, you were an oddball. Yeah. And and I'm okay with that, right? Yeah. I'm, I really am. Because on, on that day that I meet Jesus, I know what I know, and I didn't veer from it. Right. That's the key, you know. Do not be ashamed that mm. you're praying for marriage restoration. Absolutely. It may be. Divorce is so accepted now. Mm-hmm. But that's not what the Lord is saying. But not even divorce is that, like we talked about earlier, that isolation mm. that the enemy wants us to keep our stuff a secret. Right. And in Positive. the churches, there are men and women sitting there week after week, possibly even on staff, who are struggling in their marriages, struggling with addictions, struggling in their homes. And until things are brought to the light, it can't be dealt with. No and if, and if you can bring to the light, Hey, guess what? I I'm gone through this and I'm praying for that. God will restore my marriage. And you might be the light for a person who says, Oh, we need help. Like we, we mm-hmm. need help as well. We don't want to get there or we've gotten there as well. And I didn't know that was an option. And so don't just hide it. You don't have to put your, your spouse's sins on blast in front of the church but share with people what you're doing. Share that, that you're standing and praying for God to heal and restore um, what the enemy has tried to steal. And many of, of men and women is your number one prayer is for their salvation. That's right. And that, that's ultimate. And that's <laughs> what we need to pray for uh, all our family members, all mm-hmm. of our children, our cousins, aunts, uncles, we need to get serious about praying for our, our family members to get all saved and, and, and go to church. Um, we've, we've adopted not going to church, but we need to knock that back down. And if we're going to go to work and we can go to restaurants, we can go to church. Yeah. Go to um, church. <laughs> on the topic of isolation, it's crazy. Cause it's, I feel like this, the spirit must've just spoken this to me because I was pretty bold in my, you know, discussions with people. I, I just let them know where I was. And because of that, I got involved, like I said earlier, with biblical counseling. I have seen six marriages reconciled. That's awesome. Not my own, but because I was willing to be open about standing for your marriage, these other men have stood for their marriages and six marriages have been healed in this 10 year period that I've been isolated, you know, quote unquote, air quotes, isolated, but it's, it's really the work of the Lord, you know? And so it's not necessarily us Mm -hmm. that he is impacting in that way of reconciliation and restoration, 
but I see what he's done through me mm -hmm. to other families because I was not willing to just isolate and say, Oh, woe is me. Right. You know? And so, well, that's so funny. You mentioned that because the two women that I met in the pastor's office, their marriages were also restored. Look at that. It's like hundred percent praise Lord, you know? <laughs> And I think that's what it's about. I, I really do. I think that's yeah. what our stands are about. I, I, yeah. I think it's having that compassion that Christ has shown us to, to pluck us out of this world and the culture and the, I mean, look at culture. It's just awful. Yeah. And so we've been chosen really to have this ministry of reconciliation, right? All Christians have a ministry of reconciliation and, what better way to experience the ministry of reconciliation, but to be in a stand for right. something so significant that God created. And yeah. if you think about the lineage of, of those people, it's not just a husband and wife. That's no. not just six couples that were impacted generations to come right. will be impacted from that because yeah. Jim went through and, and started standing for his marriage. You know, yeah. the things God can use the Lord. in the Bible that God hates divorce yeah. in Malachi. It's very <laughs> strong. And, and Jesus talked about it in the new Testament, mm -hmm. you know, he, God created marriage so it is good and it's, it's the way he wants it to be, but the flesh and the world wants to always slice it up and, and compromise with yeah. what his plan is and was. Well, let's talk about compromising for a minute. One of the questions we asked was when you're standing for marriage restoration, how do you set boundaries that help keep you pure while you're in this season of waiting? And so that's, that's a tough reality. You know, it it's, a, it's a tough reality. Um, some of the answers we received, one man said, I absolutely have no time alone with the opposite sex. I try to act in all situations as if I was still married. And that has sen been since my divorce. Another said, I don't associate with other women alone. I pray for my wife daily Another one said, I continue to wear my wedding ring, which you just talked about, Jim. And I don't entertain the thought that I'm single. One says that staying pure during a season of waiting for marriage restoration may be tough. And I love that. He's honest. Right. Yeah. He's honest that it's not easy. I'm, <laughs> we're not saying this is easy, but you're able with God on your side and the Holy Spirit living in you. And it says, I found if you're not completely grounded to Christ and have your flesh nailed to the cross, it's not going to work. I've learned to ask the Holy Spirit to edit my lifestyle, avoid things that may tempt me, movies, internet, social media. Sounds silly, but all these can trip me up. So I simply ask the Holy Spirit what is okay and what is not. Thank you, Stander. For yep. being straightforward about all that. I love the edit idea because that is so true. I mean, yeah. culture, you know, before our stands, before our wives left, we were in thickly, you know, into culture. Mm -hmm. And like Charlene, you mentioned earlier about how women dress in culture. It's like, yes, that's what we have to do. Billy Graham had a policy where he would never be alone with a woman ever. Mm -hmm. Yes. He would never enter an elevator with a woman alone. He would never be in a taxi with a woman alone. 
And I think that that's, that is just way away from what culture accepts now. Um, my wife was in a male dominated industry and that was the problem part of part of the problem of her being tempted to leave it you know mm -hmm. and so we're in the same situation here i want to read a, a psalm if i could it's one of charlene's i think one of her favorites psalm 139 and it's it says oh lord you have searched me and know me you know my sittings down and my rising up you understand my thoughts afar off you comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways, for there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know all, know it all together. Here's the truth. The Lord knows. He knows what you're going through. He knows the hardship. For me, I've had to just constantly ask to bring him in to that situation where the temptation is to, you know, and I've, and I've edited my life, just like that man said, you know, uh, nothing movie related. I am never alone with another woman. I'm never in a situation where I'm going to have that temptation. Um, but it does exist, but yeah, we have to definitely edit our lives. Purity is tough as a standard. I mean, I had 20, 22 years of a sexual relationship more than that, you know, cause we were out of wedlock with a child. So to go from, you know, that type of sexual relationship to zero instantaneously, that's not something that you can just go, okay, I'm good. You know, no, it's okay. I need help. And right. the only help really comes from the character of God. In my view, um, he's, he knows, and he knows, you know, your thoughts. Yes. Um, One of the men um, suggest mentioned that he uses covenant eyes and he has a friend who mm -hmm. they talk about um, the battles that they face and, and how to overcome them. And Covenant Eyes, if you aren't familiar with it, is a software that you can put on your computer, your your phone, and it's a protection basically to protect you against things coming up that um, that you may not want to see, against websites you might be tempted to visit. There's many programs out there that are good. I know Covenant Eyes is excellent. So if you're looking mm -hmm. for software like that or an app, that would be a great resource. Um, but then he talked about um, his friend that he's open with. And I know Pastor Jonathan Pecluda, who um, he wrote the book Outdated, which is a book we love and talk yeah. about often for people who are single and before marriage, how to get into healthy marriages. But he talks a lot about his small group. And um, it's so important. We've talked about that already today, community and how important that is. But his group goes beyond anything I've ever heard anyone say. They are 1,000% open with each other on a weekly basis. They meet once a week and literally the beginning of the meeting that their prayer time together, their devotion time is where have you fallen this week in your mm -hmm. thoughts and your habits, you know, and he said that we tell each other everything from how much we're tithing to, you know, what temptations I face and like we said before, with the isolation, our, um, our, the enemy wants us to keep everything a secret. Don't tell people you're struggling. Right. Don't tell people that, that you, you're really having a hard time with being pure, not watching a movie that you shouldn't watch or watch, you know, going to a pornographic website or whatever it may be. But if you don't have a person or a group of men or ladies, if you don't have a, another female friend or a group of women, 
that you can have that openness with start praying about that today and, and ask God to give you those people and then ask God to give you the boldness to be open with them because that Mm -hmm. takes humility on our part. Um, to just say, look, I don't have it all together every day. I am struggling with this. Right. And and that's okay. That's what we're here for is the body of Christ to lift each other up and not just to act like we've got everything going well each day. Right. I think when we're standing and we, um, we work and we then say like with your wife works around men more than, than women, you have to really draw the line and put a circle around you that you don't end up having friendships with men. Well, you have to have and the boundaries. The boundary. Yeah. The boundary. Is the perfect. Yeah. Perfect word. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us does not like that word. Right. No. Let's call them guardrails then. Guardrails yeah, sound better perfect, than boundaries. Perfect <laughs> word. But guardrails are used for our protection. <clears throat> so we don't go off the side of the mountain or we don't go into the other lane of traffic. Right. There they're a protective barrier and they can be that protection in a marriage. And we have to have it before right. we go out right. before so that we are prepared that we're not going to go through that red light and think, I, I, I don't see any cars here, you know, yeah. right. because the, the devil's on the other side ready to trick you in any so, way. So, so now we have these men who are listening to this podcast who have already those guardrails have been smashed wide open. Correct. Our, our wives are gone. And now we're in a situation that we've never been in before. This whole purity idea has never been something I'd really ever thought about being with my wife. I was very monogamous, never thought about pushing the envelope in that direction in terms of those guardrails. I never bumped up against those. However, because our wives have left, the majority of us probably have seen our wife blast through those guardrails with other men. Correct. And so how accountability, Lori, I think is really the key. Like you said, you know, with, especially with that gentleman who wrote in there, accountability is definitely by far the key. If you can find one or a group, I mean, golly, a group would just be a, a godsend. Yeah. you know, that's an amazing thing. And I have, I have counseled biblically counseled four men who have lost their marriages through pornography. Their wives have found out. And these were marriages who are very, long marriages, you know, 40 years in one case. Um, and so, by the way, that marriage was reconciled. Mm-hmm. That was one of that was reconciled. And so, yeah, pornography is rampant. It's on your phone. If you can't find, you know, uh, like, co- like covenant keepers, the, the program, the, the app that they have. Covenant eyes. Covenant right. eyes. Yeah. And that has an accountability piece to it that sends alerts to a person. Yes. And so those are, those are real life application things for us as men who are dealing with purity issues. And let's just face it. We're our, our eyes are what was appealing to to us with Eve, you know? So, I mean, let's just be honest about that. We're going to deal with purity issues and it's how you face them. Um, And I would encourage an accountability partner. I've had one for a long time, more than 10 years. Um, But yeah, that's critically important. Yeah. Especially if you're dealing with pornography or issues of, uh, you know, lustful issues like right. that, you know, right. movies and, you know, sexual addiction. I never thought about sexual addiction until after my wife left. Right. And then I thought, okay, Jim, 
you you probably had a sexual addiction because it means sex was the most important thing in my marriage. And I know that all men aren't like that, but I'm just being frank. I mean, it is, it was of such a high value that it, and the enemy knew it, that it took away from the true value of what marriage really is. And so let's now it, for me, it's what is marriage really? What is it really? And it's, and it has nothing to do with sexual addiction has everything to do with, relationship like real relationship and you know we i think men struggle in that area my relationship with jesus had to come first before i recognized what relationship truly is and so i would encourage the scales yeah and bob completely yeah and bob dealt with that sexual addiction was what he dealt with he writes about it shares about it and 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 he conquered it and and the Lord did give him deliverance. And he knows that because he said that, that it started back when he saw his grandfather buying Playboy magazines when he yeah. was little. Yeah. And, and so he then started looking and then they went out behind the barn with a little friend and it goes on from yeah. there. And we I, have got to crucify that sinful nature and say, well, I want to surrender my heart to be a holy life, a a pure life, a purity. I would just ask our listeners to have some real deep introspective on, did you have a sexual addiction problem? Like Jim, you know, I mean, I never thought about it until actually it was brought up to me by a female believer. My sister, this was the first one that said, had you ever considered the fact that you might have, you might've had a sexual addiction? And I never thought about it until that happened. I mean, it was just like a mind blower. And the Lord opened me right up and it was like so evident to me that that was the enemy's plan in my life. And why would I want anything to do with that anymore? You know, yeah. Yeah. so have some deep introspective men about where you really are with your purity and where did it go off the rails for you? At what age was it? Five, 10, you know, 10, 12, 13, 14. You're right. You can reel it back in. You really can. And, uh, I would just encourage you to have deep introspective. Absolutely. One of the questions we asked was how has pride played a role in your life since your wife and you separated and did it hurt your pride or we could probably also insert the word ego maybe if your wife was involved with another man. Mm. And what do you think about that? Is it, is it a um, hit to your masculinity that your wife has chosen somebody else? If there's another relationship happening or multiple other relationships happening? Yeah. The obvious answer is absolutely. You know um, I think any man that has a wife who has sought out another man feels, you know, I was never good enough. I wasn't good enough, you know, and and I struggled with not being good enough right from the get-go in, in my marriage with my wife because of their family background. She just came from a very, you know, much classier family than I did. Um, and so, yeah, I, th- I think I don't, it's not necessarily, I don't, like I, like, I don't see it as pride. I just see it as I was absolutely crushed by the fact that she would seek out another man, um, you know, to for whatever the purpose was, you know, yeah. one man said shame and sadness best describe how I feel in being rejected and seeing my wife's subsequent relationship decisions. Yeah. And another one said exactly what you just said. 
were things, uh, it, it crushed my pride when my mm-hmm. wife was involved with someone else. Mm-hmm. And you just said crushed. Yeah, it's crushed. And it is, it is, it's, it's when you crush something, it's flat and it is just, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's like destroying what was there. You know, what, what that item was, mm-hmm. it's destroying it. And I don't think um, men, but I sure don't think women understand what they've opened themselves up, having an affair or, um, or looking for at another man in their marriage, of looking and just thinking in your mind, oh, he's handsome. Oh, wow. You know, and then does not realize that it's opened the door to the devil to keep going down deeper, deeper, deeper. Oh, yeah into a pit from hell that temptation in our prayer standards obviously is for jesus to go after the lost you know leave the hundred and the 99 and go after the one you know that's amen really the thing is yeah the 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 rejection the betrayal all those feelings that we feel as men is so it is it's like bone crushing i was shattered like for two years of my stand I cried probably every other day or at least not every day over what had happened and what was still continuing to go on, you know? Um, But yeah, the only thing that spares you from that, I believe is the fact that I'm spared. I'm saved. I know where I'm going. I know becoming, and I, and I, I think I have to be careful with this, but I'm, it's not righteousness, but just getting right with the Lord just cancels all that. It cancels all the ego. It cancels all the brokenness. It cancels all the, you know, there's so much broken heartedness in the men who are, who have been left by their wives that the only way to get beyond that is supernaturally. And I think that that is completely 100% Jesus, you know, Um, there's no other way. And let me say to the men right now, is that the most important thing you can do every day, daily, is put on the armor of God, the hedge mm-hmm. protection. Protect mm-hmm. your family. Protect your children from mm-hmm. the fiery darts of the evil one. But then have a relationship with your children. Dads, if you can be involved with your children's lives, mm-hmm. it's a must. They don't need to uh, give up their dad because of a separation or a divorce, because yeah. of mom. Mm. please uh, sow into your children's lives. You will reap the benefits as they grow up. And start being that spiritual leader to your children. Don't just, this isn't a journey just for, for you as an individual. This mm. is a journey for your family to start being a spiritual leader. Jim, mm. did you see that in your life that you changed as a father when, when God really opened your eyes and took the blinders off your life? Absolutely. My surrender happened very shortly after my wife left and it like completely, I was completely transformed. I mean, and our children have definitely seen it and they, they know that if their mom were exposed to who I am now, it would be, you know, it would be too much, you know, it'd be almost like, it'd be like too much, but and I mean that in a good way because yeah. she's not ready. You know, she's not in that space of being ready for that. But when you're, when you're lost, I was lost. Let's just call the, call a spade a spade. I was, I was lost. 
And a miracle took place. God removed my idol from my life on purpose, for a purpose. And you are a changed person when your idols are gone, you know, and he's the focus that is now in your life. And so, yeah, you know, abandoning that old self and surrendering your will to his will in your life changes us. Well, we're going to wrap up. I'm so glad that you agreed to do this with us. Thank you for Um, having me again. This is pretty awesome. And, but as we finish up, I would ask you what word of encouragement would you give just to encourage them as they're going along in this journey? And then Mm -hmm. would you be willing to pray for us to close out? So I, I think for a word of encouragement to the broader audience, men and women who might be listening to this, I am completely encouraged by women who are standers. Um, Because as men, that's our prayer, you know, is for our wives to turn like we have, you know. Um, so I'm just so grateful for women who have been plucked into this ministry of standing because it's an encouragement to the women who are lost um, like our wives are, you know, as men. So just I'm grateful to God that your ministry has exposed, you know, what standing is to men and women alike. And I'm just so grateful for the women who stand for the men who are standing. um, First and foremost, I had a mentor that reminded me of Philippians 2, every knee shall bow on the earth, below the earth, and in heaven. Every knee. We are accountable as men, as spiritual heads of our family, to the one that we will face one day, and that's Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Make him Lord over your life, not just I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, Making him Lord over your life is transforming you from the inside out as to what God intended for us in relationship with him before our eaves came into our lives, uh, just like he did with Adam. And so that would be my word of encouragement is to you are a miracle, man. If you've changed, I'm a miracle. I'm a walking miracle. I am no longer my old me. Therefore, I truly know it's possible for my wife mm-hmm. because he's transformed me from the inside out. So that's my prayer. Let me, let me close in prayer, if I could. Yeah. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we are just so grateful for conversations like this, um, that we're able freely in this country to be able to have conversations like this, that we're not... Uh, stifled in any way and isolated from the people that need to be reached. I'm so grateful for Rejoice Marriage Ministries that has been in my life for 10 years and that they reach such a broad audience and that they also are concerned about marriages who are not separated, marriages who are having difficulty but yet need encouragement, Lord. And I just pray that you continue to uplift this ministry to provide the finances necessary to continue. Lord, for the men and women who are standing for their marriages, Lord, um, I know that your heart breaks for marriages who are separated, but I also know that you use all things for the good of those who love you. Um, So I am grateful uh, that you have allowed us to understand that standing is for a purpose. It's not just 
the restoration of our marriages, but it's for the reconciliation of a whole family, children included. If there's no children, then it is for others to witness a reconciliation. And it starts with us, with you, Father God, that we are reconciled back to you. That was the whole point of your son, Jesus. And we are just so grateful. And it's in his name that we pray the blessings over this ministry and over the lives of the men and women who are standing right now. Lord, I also pray for the miracle work that you do in the lives of our prodigals. We're grateful, Lord, that prodigals do come home. It's evident to me, as you've shown through my own life and my own ministry, that prodigals do come home. And Lord, I just pray over our wives as men that they bump into somebody who can speak truth into their lives and it resonates and they turn from their ways. And Father, for the men who are also prodigals, for the women who are listening, I pray the same, that there's an occasion where somebody speaks truth and it's your truth, not our truth, but your truth. And we pray all this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us, Jim. You've been such a blessing today. And I know this is going to be a great um, episode for, for the men and women that get to listen to it. Divorce strikes families around the world, often with little notice. You can help us minister to these families with your financial gift. Visit rejoiceministries.org and help us teach men and women what Jesus can do for their hurting family. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.